Hello listeners and welcome to episode lucky number seven of the Sweeney Saga. I did take a bit of a hiatus last week. Um, there's not really a whole lot going on in the sports world. It's a pretty quiet week for that. Um, really NFL season's getting ready to gear up as this Thursday is the NFL Hall of Fame game on August 1st and then a week from that regular season NFL will start and three weeks from Thursday the college football season will be underway and be in full swing and uh four weeks from Thursday the NFL season starts I believe I believe it's four weeks from Thursday but there's a lot coming on in the sports world um and also another reason I didn't record last week is because The Lion King was the new movie to come out but I have not gotten the chance to go see that in theaters I will be getting the chance to see that probably in the next week or two weeks, something along those lines. So I will be bringing that review eventually. Um, but I just decided to kind of take a week off, and I had a pretty fun episode planned this week just because one of my favorite directors, if not my favorite director of all time, did come out with his new movie, which is Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. So I'm going to be bringing that review as well as just a little addition tacked on to the end of my my five movies that I'm most anticipating for the rest of the year. Just kind of a little bonus addition to that episode. But uh, yeah, I did, like I said, I saw it. I saw Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, directed by none other but, but Quentin Tarantino. It was his ninth film. I watched it Friday, um, and I gotta say, I absolutely love this movie. For those of you that don't know, basically the uh, the plot of that revolves around Leonardo DiCaprio playing a character by the name of Rick Dalton, and he used to be kind of a bigger actor than he was, or than he is now, and this story just kind of revolves around him trying to not be a has-been, as he calls himself in the movie and in the trailer. So he's kind of reduced uh, from his days of stardom, to now he's on a recurring or a couple recurring tv shows uh he's kind of being put over the top by these younger actors and his career is just kind of fading away and he's really dealing with a lot of issues in that regard and the way that quentin tarantino handles his story it's really the main uh kind of arc of the film and leo plays such a fantastic uh character in this piece I love Quentin Tarantino and how he deals with his different characters throughout his movies because obviously he's only had one quote-unquote sequel in Kill Bill, um, even though according to him he views that as one film, so I kind of consider it the same thing. But you have, he has such a talent of introducing these characters and just being able to flesh out uh, so many different aspects of his main characters in his film so that you really root for them and you care about what what they go through in the whole movie. And uh, this movie is definitely no different. Um, he has worked with both Leonardo DiCaprio and Brad Pitt in the past, and to see these two on screen together, two of the biggest movie stars of all time, it was really just a treat in every scene that they were together. And he goes another direction with uh, the secondary plot of the movie, which... If you weren't familiar, uh, this movie is set in the same time frame as the uh, Sharon Tate murders were taking place, which, uh, of course, Sharon Tate was murdered by members of the Charles Manson family. And 
a pretty messed up idea. But the thing about the movie is that it was never really marketed as this is the huge thing that's going to happen in this movie. Uh, it's kind of just the side plot and the way that he really tells that story of the Sharon Tate murders and it, its inclusion in the film is really well done because he has dealt with these period pieces of certain events in time much like Inglorious Bastards deals with uh you know with Hitler and World War II and everything and you know he has his own spin on it and this is no different uh the thing that's really unique about this film compared to other films and my friends like my brother-in-law and one of my other friends we were talking about it after we all three have watched it and it's more tame than really any of his other films because of course in Django you have the dealing with uh the usual Tarantino hyperviolence which doesn't really bother me because you have hyperviolence and Pulp Fiction and Kill Bill and Reservoir Dogs and of course Django <clears throat> Django has the race component and uh stuff like that that's kind of taboo as well as uh Hateful Eight kind of deals with that as well as violence uh you have sexual uh natures and drug use that that's dealt with in uh pulp fiction and this one compared to all of his other films i would have to say is the most tame of any of them uh, and that's not a bad thing because it's not like the film doesn't take chances in certain areas and doesn't have a unique or compelling story to tell because i really think that that the arc of rick dalton played by leonardo dicaprio is such a great story and even uh his stunt double cliff booth which is played by brad pitt he kind of goes off and does his own thing and he has some certain uh character traits and uh and a backstory that's just talked about enough to make it really interesting and he kind of does his thing throughout the movie they have scenes together as far as Brad Pitt and Leonardo DiCaprio do and the dialogue in this film is just so great and uh and like most of Tarantino's other films uh all the humor aspects of this movie really hit the writing is fantastic uh it's really just refresh refreshing in 2019 with uh with Tarantino's last film coming I believe four years ago in 2015 in The Hateful Eight that you could just go to a movie and just know that you're watching a Tarantino movie. The way that uh, that his movies are shot, his style, um, the cinematography is really just unique compared to any other director. Um, he's definitely my favorite of all time. I know I said maybe just as I was introducing the movie and the director and everything, but he's he's definitely my favorite of all time. And Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, I don't think that I'm being <clears throat> hyperbolic whenever I say this, but Pulp Fiction I consider to be uh, my favorite movie of all time. It's definitely in my top three, but whenever somebody asks me which one my favorite is, I, d I always go to Pulp Fiction. But I do always say that Django is uh, in my list of top 50 movies of all time. I think Django falls at maybe six or seven, but there's times where I'm watching Django that I say, you know, if, given the choice between Pulp Fiction and Django, I wouldn't be upset if I could only watch Django and I'd never watch Pulp Fiction again. As much as I love both of those movies, if you give me the choice between the two, I'm not going to be upset. Um, 
And I don't think that it's exaggerated to say that once upon a time in Hollywood, even though I've only seen it the one time compared to the other two where I've seen it, you know, multiple viewings, I would still say that it might fall into that category. That if I had to watch one movie and not see the other two ever again, it it wouldn't upset me too bad for that movie to be Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I really enjoyed this one. Um, the only real knock that I have, uh, but I kind of talked about it earlier, is Sharon Tate, uh, played by Margot Robbie in this film, which she's one of my favorites. Um, she's kind of underused. Uh, some of the scenes that she's in is really good, uh, or some of the scenes are really good, I should say, and Margot Robbie does a good job at portraying her, uh, but... I've also seen Margot Robbie take on a little bit bigger roles than this. Like, if you have not watched I, Tanya, where she plays Tanya Harding, Margot Robbie does such a great job in that movie. And so you know that she could take on a little bit bigger of a role than Sharon Tate's inclusion in this film. But it's not really, it's not that much of a knock. It's just like if she was in the movie for about 10 or 15, maybe 20 minutes longer, uh, just... I think that there's ways that he could have woven her storyline into uh, their storyline a little bit better because ultimately they do live in the same neighborhood and like I said it's around the time that the Sharon Tate murders take place and so you could have, have had a couple scenes where she was talking to Brad Pitt a little more or Leonardo DiCaprio a little bit more and I think the film would have benefited from that but the product that we got is definitely uh one worth seeing and I can't wait to see the movie again the other thing that of course Tarantino always does well is his inclusion of uh, different cameos throughout the film there's a couple of them in this one not maybe as much as there are in other movies with uh, as memorable characters but Kurt Russell has a good cameo uh, Timothy Oliphant which if you don't know who that is he plays the bad guy in the girl next door which is just uh in early 2000s kind of comedy that I've always kind of enjoyed and he also played in the TV show Justified and I think that he was a really good inclusion in this uh in this movie and everything else with the movie I definitely I love just every single aspect of it it is a longer movie but that's it it didn't ever feel very very slow to me because there are movies that are more of a slow burn like I watched Zodiac and it was fantastic, but it did have scenes where it's a little bit slow. Uh, Hateful Eight is a is a good movie. It's not one of my favorite Tarantino's, but it has parts where it's definitely just a slow, slow burn. Uh, but I never once felt like Once Upon a Time in Hollywood drug at all. I really just, I loved every minute of it. I give it a 10 out of 10 and it's definitely one of my favorites of the year. So <laughs> with all that said, getting into the bonus part of the episode which would be my favorite or my most anticipated movies moving forward through the rest of the year we're just over the halfway mark and uh you know we're at the very end kind of of the summer movie season and there's still a couple of big titles that i'm really looking forward to so i ca i have a couple of honorable mentions and then five of my ma most anticipated moving forward so I'm just going to kind of get into that. Um, the first honorable mention, which I will be reviewing and 
next week's episode would be uh, Hobbs and Shaw because it is coming out Friday. Uh, obviously, uh, you had the biggest movie star, one of the biggest movie stars on the planet in Dwayne The Rock Johnson and Jason Statham, who plays such a great counterpart in the Fast and Furious world. Uh, I really love both of these characters. And this movie is just what I like to call a good, dumb, fun action movie. It's going to have completely over-the-top set pieces. And I, for one, can't wait to just watch these characters that have been included in about three or four of the Fast and Furious franchise just uh, play off of each other. As long as the movie makes me laugh and it's got good action scenes, that's all I'm looking forward to. I just want to have a nice Coke Icy, uh, maybe smuggle in a sugar cookie from the cookie store in the mall, and eat a popcorn and just watch these guys <clears throat> go at it doing ridiculous stunts for you know two hours and I can't wait for that movie on Friday but getting on to my honorable mentions on the list uh, those include Knives Out which is a whodunit murder mystery uh, directed by Ryan Johnson who directed the The Last Jedi um, Chris Evans is in that movie and uh, right at the right on the top of my head I can't really remember some of the other bigger name actors but they did release a trailer and it looks like a really fun murder mystery movie which uh, looks like it could be a better version of murder on the Orient Express so that's my first honorable mention uh, the next honorable mention actually comes out later in August which is good boys a comedy I don't believe if I think Seth Rogen directed it but uh, it has like kind of just a coming-of-age comedy movie with all these young guys It's got Jacob Tremblay and a couple other people and it just looks like a really really good comedy movie which usually happens about maybe three times a year where uh, a Comedy movie really just hits on all notes uh, One of my favorite movies of the year is Longshot also starring Seth Rogen and uh, So anything that he does I'm definitely uh, interested in so <clears throat> those would be my two honorable mentions so getting into my top five coming in at number five is dr sleep um and that according to the trailer is a direct sequel i don't know if the book is as much but i know it has to deal with it um but dr sleep deals with uh danny torrance from the shining and it's him as an adult. He's played by Ewan McGregor, which of course is Obi-Wan Kenobi in the Star Wars franchise. And this movie looks so good. I can't, like, I can't say anything else other than being a big fan of The Shining and the elements that they have played into the trailer from The Shining movie that look like they're gonna be in play in this one. It has me super excited for it. I believe it comes out in November and I can't wait for that one. So moving on to number four, and that would be It Chapter 2. Now, I said this on the Crawl review, I believe, and if I didn't, I meant to. I don't really do a lot of horror movies, even though Crawl was more of a thriller, um, just because there's some aspects of horror movies where I end up losing some sleep at night because they freak me out, and I'm not ashamed to admit that. If there's a good enough premise uh, and they do freak me out, you know, I think me, along with most other people in the world, if they watch a good horror movie, you know, they'll probably go out throughout the house, maybe uh, not look in the mirrors too long, maybe flick on a light that otherwise you might uh, not turn on if you hadn't seen that movie. Um, but the first It is such a good film. 
with good jump scares, but it's got a very good story with uh, with a compelling villain. And the way that it's done, the way that it chapter one is done, uh, it had me so excited for the sequel and everything that they've released from the trailers. And uh, apparently there's been some scenes that were released in Comic-Con, which also happened uh, the week before last week. Uh, everything that they've released looks just outstanding. I can't wait to see how they kind of wrap this story up. So yeah, It Chapter 2 comes in at my number 4 most anticipated movie for the rest of the year. So number 3 is a movie that I was excited for whenever I looked at the list of everything coming out this year. But I hadn't really said anything about it because they haven't released a trailer. And we're only about 2 months out from this movie coming out. And that is Zombieland 2. The reason that I have it in my list now is because I did see the preview to it whenever I was watching Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, and I am so blown away by how great this movie looks. Zombieland is one of my favorite comedies of all time. It has such a great cast with Woody Harrelson, Jesse Eisenberg, and Emma Stone. I think all of them are perfect in that first movie. It's such a great comedy that I got, I can't remember, I, I ranked my top comedy movies earlier this year, and I don't remember where I put it, but I think it was top three or four. Um, yeah, just everything in the first one. It's one of my favorite comedies of all time. And so I was a little nervous, obviously, because sometimes some of my favorite movies of all time have some uh, some crappy sequels. And I didn't want Zombieland 2 to be one of them. But based on the trailer, it looks like they are hitting on all the same notes of the first one. Uh, obviously it deals with the zombie apocalypse essentially and this group of four core characters that are traveling together and this one just looks like or the trailer for Zombieland 2 just looks like these guys have been together uh, just experiencing this post-apocalyptic world of zombies and uh, and I just I can't wait to see the continuation of this story so yeah that Zombieland 2 it at number three most anticipated for the rest of the year so coming in at number two it was really splitting hairs between this and another one but ultimately i decided on two to be the joker movie starring joaquin phoenix um i've heard a couple mixed things about <clears throat> just from people inside from all the movie people that i follow on twitter and things that uh that there's some disappointment coming from early showings of the movie or not really complete showings of the movie but just kind of uh, script leaks and stuff like that but that's not going to scare me off of being in the theater as soon as this comes out it comes out two days after my birthday and uh obviously with the best joker of all time being heath ledger uh joaquin phoenix looks like the closest thing we might get to seeing another great portrayal of the joker on screen obviously we had jared leto in suicide squad which some people enjoyed him i was not one of those people um, there were elements of a good uh, display of acting from him, but ultimately they were very few and far between for me in that movie. But anytime you say the Joker and that you get him on screen, I will definitely be excited to watch it. And Joaquin Phoenix is a fantastic actor, and 
uh, and I've loved him in everything that I've seen him in, and I can't wait to see his take on the Joker. It is supposed to be somewhat of a, like a, a more crime drama, not really so much of a super Joker story, um, other than this is how he becomes the Joker, rather than like him wreaking havoc on the town and, uh, you know, trying to dethrone Batman from all these different, you know, all the different reasons that some people love the Joker. I think that it's going to be a unique story. Uh, everything that I've heard about it is said that, uh, that there's nothing really from the comics that they've made up. This is just all a unique story and I can't wait to see, uh, their take on it. The only thing that has me kind of worried about it is that it was directed by Todd Phillips, which he's got a decent track record, but the most popular thing that he's done is the Hangover and the Hangover sequels. And that's not to say that I don't think uh, a director of comedy can really do something as serious as the Joker is probably going to be. But it's the Hangover sequels that kind of had me nervous because I do believe he directed uh, one of them, if not both of them. But, uh, you know, until I actually see the finished product, it's definitely my second most anticipated movie which brings me to my number one, and that is, of course, The Rise of Skywalker. I'm a huge Star Wars fan, um, and I, for one, adored The Force Awakens by J.J. Uh, Abrams, which is Episode 7. The Last Jedi had a lot of really great parts, um, but it also had a lot of parts that I did not enjoy, uh, much like, you know, The Last Jedi was a very divisive movie, and uh, and a lot of people didn't enjoy a lot of a lot of uh episode eight i enjoyed probably about 75 percent of it another 25 percent i really did not enjoy it all so it's kind of a split movie with me but that's not to say that i cannot wait for episode nine um jj abrams is returning to direct which it's gonna kind of be weird to see how much of eight they kind of just wash over and retcon because I think J.J. Abrams probably had a vision from the beginning, and then they decided to go with three dif different directors instead of keeping one director on for the whole uh, second part of the or third part of the trilogy. Um, but I think J.J. Abrams is going to come in, probably do a lot of fan service, which isn't necessarily a bad thing. But uh, you know, I think that the conclusion of this Skywalker saga, as it's being called, is it's so exciting to see this it's gonna be sad to kind of see the uh this new trilogy end even though they have a lot of star wars things waiting in the wings to go for years to come and we're probably not gonna go very many years without a star wars movie in the in the future but uh as far as this year uh december can't come soon enough right around christmas time then you have this movie that's just gonna be huge the only trailer that they've shown, uh, they showed it again on Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, which is probably like, I don't know, the 15th or 20th, maybe 30th time that I've watched it because it's such a good trailer. Uh, the music in it is great, and there's a bunch of story elements that are still left open that are going to be mysterious and fun mysteries to kind of unravel during this last one. And yeah, so that's definitely my top most anticipated movie for the rest of the year. Um, so yeah, that does it for this week's episode. Next week, like I said, I'll probably talk a little bit about the, uh, 
Hall of Fame game preseason between the Broncos and the Falcons. It's going to go on Thursday. Uh, NFL season is about to be in full swing. Plus, I got the Hobbs and Shaw review coming this weekend. Uh, yeah, a lot of good things I'm looking forward to. I thank you guys for listening, and I'll talk to you guys next week.